This is the St. Longinus's Baptism Podcast Channel. This is going to be episode number 64, the topic of which will be why Protestants don't have a hard time making the switch to the Vatican II sect. But first, a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, Immaculate Heart of Mary. Please pray for us, Sacred Heart of Jesus. Please pray for us. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. So, today's topic is actually something that I have a great deal of familiarity with. Um, in, 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 in case you have not listened to the introductory episodes or any of the um, episodes where I've made mention of these two facts, um, I was a Protestant. I started out as a Protestant and moved to the Vatican II uh, sect. And now I'm a set of a contest. And I guess I need to make this clear because somebody I was speaking with, I get the impression that they did not understand the context of what I'm talking about. Even though I make mention of this, throughout the majority of my episodes. I am over 50 years old. I decided to become a Protestant in 2001. I was 34 years old when I became a Protestant. So... I want to make this absolutely clear. I was not raised in the Protestant religion. Now, because of circumstances, I lived with Protestant families, but they they basically took care of my material needs and did not try to get me to be a Protestant. Maybe because it was a state rule or whatever. But even though I grew up with Protestant families, once again, I was not a Protestant. The only time I read my Bible was when the times when they took me to church with them. And the only reason I read the Bible was because... um. It was something to read while I was in church. And I was afraid that if I took a secular book, they'd yell at me. So I just took a Bible and I basically read the Old Testament, or at least the historical parts, for, for the history. When I entered into Protestantism in 2001, Um, 
I was completely and utterly ignorant of Christianity. Completely. I had never read any religious books. Matter of fact, the moment I was told that I did no longer had to go to church, my Bible got tossed in a bookshelf, and that was it. I was done. I concentrated on the stuff that I found interesting. Okay? So, for those of you who may have listened to several episodes, and I do realize, given my general inarticulation, that perhaps I did not make this clear, and the only thing I can say about this is, is due to my general philosophy of trying to keep myself at a minimum when I do these podcasts, um, I did not want to do a whole biography of my um, spiritual history. I figured I gave a pretty much general outline and that it was pretty, pretty clear. Um, when I became a Protestant in 2001, um, I've already stressed, I couldn't have been more ignorant of anything. And I... I was a deist at best. And if I could describe my own attitude toward God was, was that God was, he, he was the big watchmaker in the sky who wound up the world and let it I'm sorry, um that he wound up the world and let it go. And those people who called themselves Christians and had a relatively comfortable life, they had a family, they were loved, they were well raised, that those were God's favorites and that they were going to heaven. And people like myself who had had a tough road to hoe in life, that God hated me and had basically left left to me my own to my own devices. And there were periods in my life where I thought he actively hated me and had cursed me. Okay, so in that in that mishmash of ignorance, my general conception of Christianity would be um, the ignorance of right now of this generalized Christianity where um, anybody who calls themselves a Christian 
is a Christian. Um, Catholics, Protestants, and Eastern Orthodox are all the same. They're all Christians. They all worship Jesus Christ, therefore they are all Christians. That was the extent, when I entered into Protestantism, of my, histor uh, my, my understanding of Christianity. And it, I got to admit, I'm, I, 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 I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm a little annoyed that I have to repeat this because I've covered my generalized religious history in another episode. Anyhow, um, when I and I, I've explained this in my introductory episodes. If you people don't want to listen to what I'm telling you, that's your option. But I'm starting to lose what little patience I have when I tell people, listen to the introductory episodes. And they don't listen. And then they come back to me and they, they act like, you know, they're asking me stuff that if they... If they had taken my advice and done what I had asked, they, would, they wouldn't need to ask me or they, they would be more familiar. When I became, or when I entered into the Protestant church, I knew my ignorance. And I knew two things. That I was very ignorant and that if I wanted to be serious about following Jesus Christ, I was going to have to up my knowledge skills. So, this is 2001, and only well-off people had the internet at that time. I had to go to a library and check out books. And I, I read as many books as I could, and they were a wide variety of books. Some of them were church history. Some of them were theology. Some of them were just general books about, you know, Christian or what passes for uh, Christian principles in America in the early 2000s. Now, I was a Protestant for um before I go any further you take this advice for what it's worth you take this advice for what it's worth I'm sure some of you look at some of my episode descriptions and you say well, I was never a Protestant, so I don't need to listen to this. Or, I'm trying to be a set of a contest, so I don't need to hear this about, you know, uh, Protestantism. Or if you're Vatican II. Well, um, you know, it, 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 actually I was describing set of the contest in the Vatican II sect. If you're a Protestant and you're thinking, 
Well, I don't need to understand the difference between what he calls the Vatican II sect and true Catholicism. If you think that anything that I cover in these episodes don't apply to you, the only thing I can tell you is is that you're misinformed massively. If nothing else, if you do not understand Protestantism, if you were raised a Vatican II sect member all of your life and you know nothing about Protestantism, if you were raised um, a uh, true Catholic or Sedevacantist all your life and you know nothing about Protestantism, you need to know this stuff. The same thing goes for you, Protestants. If you were raised a Protestant all your life and know nothing about Catholicism, it would behoove you to, to learn a little something. You know, um, I apologize for getting a little vehement here, but I honestly, one of my weaknesses as a human being is having to repeat myself. I don't, if I only, if I only cover something once tangentially and people are unclear, I get that. I can cut them slack. But as far as my route to uh, Sedvacantism goes and the things that I went through, I've covered, I, I, according, according to my app, I've done over 130 episodes. I can confidently say in at least half, probably three quarters of that, I have covered this stuff that I'm going, um, not the topic itself, but my, my history, my spiritual history. And, and I will admit, perhaps I'm being uncharitable because I do tend to be inarticulate and I tend to be verbose. Maybe people forget what I've already told them. Because I'm too long-winded and I'm too inarticulate. So if that is the case, I humbly beg and beseech. Or I'm sorry, I humbly beg for your forgiveness. And, 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 and for your forgiveness. Because um, perhaps, you know, perhaps I'm being a little, uh, I'm lacking mercy. If that is the case. But the gem, what I what I said prior stands. There is nothing on this podcast that does not apply to anyone. I don't care if you're Protestant. I don't care if you're Vatican II sect. I don't care if you're Eastern Schismatic. I don't care if you're set of a contest. And honestly, I don't care if you're atheist because a lot of the principles I talk about. You know, you can make this shallow, superficial observation. Well, this stuff doesn't apply to me. It's all religious. Well, just because something has a spiritual origin or uh, origin or principle 
does not mean that it can't be used even if you don't believe in God. I've, I've stated this ad nauseum. Anyhow, so for three or four years, I was, uh, I became a Protestant and the whole time I was a Protestant, I was reading as much as I could, as often as I could, and that included the Bible. And for the first time, I gotta say, I think it literally was the first time in my life I actually read the New Testament during this period. Um, sorry guys and um, in 2004 I entered into the Vatican II sect now the key to remember here is because I was literally a blank slate when I joined Protestantism, and I suspect that this is why a lot of people are complacent or has closed minds, is because they are raised in a certain denomination under certain teachings, and they know nothing else. And so their, their thought processes and their... Um, Their thought processes and their ways of thinking are color because of the way they were raised and the way they were taught. So that was actually a very huge blessing from God because I didn't have what I call baggage when I came into this. I didn't have any baggage. Um, I was able to view things more or less with an open mind and objectively. And, you know, um, and by the way, everything I'm talking about here, I want to stress, it didn't come from me. It was all God's grace. Um, I'm going to say this and leave it at this. It was God's grace that even had me become a Protestant to begin with. Left to my own devices, I had no interest. I had a great deal of hatred toward anything relating to Jesus Christ and His church, as I understood it. So, you know, when I talk about personal attributes, I'm not taking credit for these attributes. I'm actually saying that thanks to Jesus Christ and His Blessed Mother, I had these attributes. But I'm not taking credit for anything. Anyway, so I was given the ability to look at things without any coloring whatsoever and view the relative merits, the weaknesses and the strengths 
However, I did have one blind spot, and that was Catholicism. Because we live in a Masonic Protestant country and government and society and culture, I grew up with all the intendant prejudices that a lot of people, a lot of Americans grow up with. Now having said this, I will say that my prejudices weren't ingrained and they weren't they weren't intense, they were just general. They were literally just um prejudices, not actual bigotry, but just prejudices. And without going too deep into the weeds, it took a literal act of God for me to get so desperate that I joined the Catholic Church, or what I thought was the Catholic Church, my bad, because the Vatican II sect has as much to do with true Catholicism as your average Baptist, Lutheran, or uh, Presbyterian. And you have to go through in the Vatican II sect, which is known as RICA, which is the right of um, instruction of Catholic initiation or Christian Knowing that it's Vatican II, it's probably Christian initiation. But I went through that, and as I said in an earlier episode, you start your classes in September, and they go, you get confirmed on Easter Sunday the next year. And the year that I got confirmed into the Vatican II sect was the year that uh, uh, Arch Heretic in Chief Watia, better known as Fake Pope. John Paul II died and when um, Arch uh, Layman Heretic in Chief um, Ratzinger became um, anti-Pope Benedict XVI took over and once again I went into Catholicism I had done some reading, but it was generalized reading from um, neutral sources. And given my understanding of that, I understood, unlike a lot of Protestants who think that, you know, that the King James Bible was the first Bible and that, you know, the heretics of the past were actually proto-Protestants. Um, due to my unbiased sources, um, they admitted that no, the Catholic Church was the first church. So I, I understood that aspect, but I hadn't delved into the Catholic Church, or researched it, honestly speaking, because to me there was no reason to do so. Because I had no intention on becoming a Catholic. My understanding when I was a Protestant was, was that the Catholic Church had been, it was the original church but had been corrupted. And that guys like Luther, Calvin, and Knox 
had reformed the abuses and that the Catholic Church was still under air. So when I took this this class of uh, this, this Vatican II course on Catholicism, I realized that I was massively ignorant and massively um, Ill, um, massively ill-informed. And so part of it was my personality, but part of it was just by necessity. I had to 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 do further research, but this time into Catholicism. And I also, you know, this, once again, this is God's grace, not me. I realized, I came to the realization that the, how the Bible, or at least, you know, because I was a new Catholic, new Christian in the larger sense of the term, I didn't realize how Catholic the New Testament actually is. I did not, I did not realize that. Now, so out of necessity and out of my own personal traits, I started having to read about uh, Catholicism. Because as I said, I hadn't read. And Sorry, I'm just... Because I haven't gotten to the topic yet and we're 26 minutes in. I'm, you know, I'm giving you a long-winded biography of me. But at any rate, I, I did the reading. And while I was doing this reading, once again, um, because there is... There were modernist priests and bishops who wrote books prior to Vatican II. Um, I mean, we wouldn't have had Vatican II without the heretics within the actual Catholic Church itself. There, there, it couldn't have happened any other way. But when I'm reading like the writings of the saints and some of the, you know, um, because being, you know, um, being the type of person that I was, I was all about tradition and stuff. And so um, in my own dim way, I was trying to read orthodox material. And then I'm starting to, you know, and... Because I was ignorant, I got fooled by guys like uh, Michael Voris, the uh, the art grifter, Michael Gore, Voris, the art grifter, 
uh, the arch grifter um, Taylor Marshall. I never did like Michael Jones. I found Michael Jones to be a blowhard, blowhard, um, um, there's a word I'm looking for, a blowhard, um, obnoxious, thank you, Lord Jesus, an obnoxious blowhard. So, because, you know, some of the neo-trads that I was, you know, online with, they, they would send me his videos. And I watched one of his videos and I'm like, yeah, this guy is the equivalent of Sean Hannity uh, or Ann Coulter. And, you know, because part of being Vatican II is, is, you know, you're, you're, you're part of the world and your spiritual aspect is kind of, um, compartmentalize you know there's there's the world view and then there's the spiritual view and I'm not going to get into that nonsense because we're almost 30 minutes in but um yeah but I I did I fell for the trap of Michael uh the grifter Michael Voris and the grifter uh Taylor Marshall and I was being introduced or I was trying to stick to um I was trying to stick to uh, traditional Catholic sources. But I'm noticing, you know, and everything that I'm talking about, we're talking between the years of, uh, I, be I, I became confirmed in Easter of 2005, and I pretty much stayed in the Vatican II sect until I want to say around maybe 2016. 2015-2016. So we're talking around 10 years. And I'm noticing, you know, there, there's questions cropping up in my mind, but they're all dim. They're all dim. And I was under the air of thinking, well, because... One of the reasons I became a Vatican II Catholic was that I could recognize the truth of Catholicism. By the end of my catechism classes, I could recognize the truth of Catholicism, even as corrupted and misleading as the Vatican II Catholic teachings were, I could still recognize the the truth of Catholicism and as I never get tired of saying even people in air can say the truth because the God the priest who catechized me told us he said Catholic truth cannot contradict itself and that thought never left my mind the whole time I was in Vatican II sack but yet I'm seeing contradictions. Now I don't want to get into the whole deep in the weeds thing. Suffice it to say was when I finally left the Vatican II sect, I knew Catholicism was the truth. But only dimly and I could not tell you why. 
But um, it literally, once again, it took a literal act of God to get me out of that sect. Now, I've gone more or less 32 minutes without talking about the topic itself. The topic itself is why Protestants do not have a big leap when they enter into the Vatican II sect. Now, to any well-informed set of contests, they're going to say, well, because they're the same thing. No doubt. Yeah, that's, that's a pithy answer, and that's true. However, there's a lot of people who may not know the answer to this. So, in about the 25 minutes I have remaining, I'm going to try to explain... Why this, it's not a big leap. Now in my case, the leap was not big, not because um, that there were similarities between Protestantism and the Vatican II sect. That, that, that's not why I became a Catholic, or what I thought was a Catholic, the Vatican II sect. I became a Vatican II sect member because I wanted to serve God, but I knew that I was doing a half-butted job of it. And I'm looking at the people who were calling themselves Catholic, and they didn't seem to act any differently than I felt that... They didn't seem to be acting any, any more holy than I was, so I'm figuring, well... As long as, uh, you know, I'm going to be, you know, um, a heathen, I might as well be, you know, go to the church where, I, you know, where the standards, what I thought, were low. And I suspect a lot of Catholics don't come into, you know, they don't join... <laughs> they don't join the Vatican II sect because they think, oh, it's going to be an easier, you know, an easier way to serve God. I suspect a lot of Protestants enter into the, uh, the Vatican II sect, which is masquerading as the true Catholic Church, because they, they're, they're sincere believers in that the Catholic truth is truth itself. Now, that's why I initially entered into the RICA class at that time. And then once um, I had a little more knowledge, I realized that the truth was here. The truth that I've been looking for since I became a Christian, had, had always been here, and that if you take your, if you take your truths, the, 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 uh, the, um, the truths of Jesus Christ seriously, and His teaching seriously, and sincerely, practicing this is going to be the, you know, as best as you can, it's going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to do.
It just is. Now, um, um, sorry, I'm, I'm distracted. So I suspect a lot of Protestants, when they, they go to the Vatican II sect, That they, they do it because they're they're literally searching for the truth of Jesus Christ and he's one true church. However, where I would say that this is where Satan has laid his snares for the unwary and the ignorant, Lord knows I I was and still am to a certain degree. And all you have to do, this is why when I tell you Protestants, you need to read about the Catholic Church. And understand that what you think of as the Catholic Church isn't. Obviously, between the Protestant revolt and the Vatican II Council, there were lots of Protestants who converted back to Catholic or converted to Catholicism. And the reason I hammer this home is because this principle is important let's just say you are a Lutheran in the 1920s and you 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 feel God's call that somehow or another Lutheranism is not the truth and so you start re, uh, researching Catholicism. Now, this is pre-Vatican II Catholicism, or what I call true Catholicism. There is going to be a lot in those teachings that are literally going to challenge your worldview, that are literally going to challenge how you were raised, what you were taught and your religious the the whole basis of your religious belief now at this point you have two choices you could either say well i'm going to follow the truth where it may lead me and I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to become a Catholic because I recognize that this is the truth or, or you're going to make a decision that well um, these, these teachings and this way of worship and I'm talking about the traditional Latin Mass these are too alien to what I'm used to. And a lot of this stuff, um, I just, I cannot assent to this because it goes against everything I've been taught and everything I believe in. You have those two choices. And this is why I, I mock and ridicule these Protestant 
Um, quote unquote pastors who rant and rail against the Vatican II Church. Because if they actually knew what the heck they were talking about, they wouldn't be criticizing the Vatican II Church. They would actually be criticizing that uh, set of acontism, which is pre-Vatican II Catholicism. But with. I'm I'm almost 40 minutes into this. I don't want to go into a deep dive. I've done several episodes on the differences between pre-Vatican II Catholicism and Vatican II Catholicism. So if you are a Protestant, listen to those. They will help inform you. They will help in, enlighten you. But I suspect the reason why a lot of Protestants enter into the Vatican II the Vatican II sect is number one they think that it is true Catholicism and like me I suspect that they're they're very ignorant about the nature of Catholicism but number two the Vatican II Council and this is where reading the council documents is instructive. Its whole purpose was to downplay the specifically Catholic elements of the Catholic religion so that a Protestant could go any Protestant. You could be a high church Lutheran or you could be a low church Baptist. You could wander into a Vatican II uh, church and you'd feel right at home. There would be nothing in there that would challenge your beliefs, make you uncomfortable, and make you question your belief systems. So that's why I suspect the... the and... I don't think I made this point. In my early example of a, a 1920s Lutheran who decides to become Catholic, for at that time, that is a huge, a huge move. Because you're basically turning your religious world, not just your religious world, but your, your world in general, upside down. And you're doing something, you're literally going out on a limb because you're doing a, a practice that is very foreign to you. You are trying to learn beliefs that are very foreign to you. Whereas after the Vatican II Council, your average Protestant, um, there's nothing, like I said, the Vatican II Council was made designed purposely to make Protestants feel as home, at home, within their sect as humanly possible. And how they did this was, was they de-emphasized the, the, the distinctive Catholic teachings. And I'm going to give two or three examples of the most distinctive. 
of Catholic examples. Number one, the teachings that in order to reach Jesus, you have to go, go through the Blessed Mother. Now, because basically the Vatican II sect is just another sect of Protestantism, that teaching may or may not be emphasized or de-emphasized depending on who you're talking to. But there, I guarantee you there are a lot of prelates and a lot of priests in the Vatican II sect who de-emphasize Mary's role in the life of a true Catholic. And when I say true Catholic, I'm not talking about the Vatican II LARPers. I'm talking about actual Catholics. People who are serious about their Catholic belief system. For those of you who are interested, I did a couple of episodes on the importance of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Number two. They downplay the the essential importance of the Eucharist and how it is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, for you Catholics who are ignorant, the Protestants teach it's a piece of bread. It's a piece of bread and the wine is wine or in certain Protestant sects, it's grape juice. You know, these are symbols. We're just getting together and saying how great Jesus it is. is. But they, and how they, how they infected a lot of Catholics, sincere Catholics with this notion was communion in the hand and standing to receive it. First of all, if you are receiving the literal body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, and I'm, I'm, I'm just asking, maybe, maybe your sense of devotion and piety screwed up, but how could you even think about touching your Lord and Savior with your dirty, filthy hands? How can you think about receiving His body, blood, and soul standing he is your literal king. And for those of you who are historical mind, minded, just imagine a Protestant, uh, I'm sorry, a peasant back in the Middle Ages who gets called before his king or his duke or lord or whatever, and he just strolls up to him and he's standing talking to the guy like he's one of his peasant neighbors. You can only imagine what would happen to that dude. But if you're coming from a Protestant tradition where, well, yeah, the body and blood, it's symbolic. It's symbolic. You know, it's just a piece of bread. It's just wine. Then taking the Eucharist in your hands and taking it while standing, that's not a big leap. This is not a challenge. This is not something that you actually have to wrap your brain around. This is something that... Well, yeah, okay. And... The third is the Mass itself. Now... Before I get into... The Mass itself... There is a certain segment... 
of neo-traditionalists and set of the contists who think that the Latin Mass, the traditional Latin Mass, is, is, is somehow or another, it either sanctifies you or that it helps get you into heaven. You know, and there are some, the more sentimental types, they're all about the pretty vestments, the incense, the candles, um, what, what uh, some Catholics describe derisively, and rightfully so, I might add, as the smells and bells. That has nothing, you know, the Mass itself has nothing to do with your salvation. It has nothing to do with your spiritual life. The Latin Mass in and of itself is to, is, to, is to give you theological instruction on how to purport yourself when you're in the presence of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, um... But I just wanted to get it out there to those uh, people who who look to the outward. Well, I gotta have the Latin Mass because if it doesn't have incense, it doesn't have the pretty vestments. It's not a Mass. The. You know, there's going to come a time when you're not going to have your pretty vestments. There's going to come a time when you're not going to have your incense, your smells and your bells. There's going to come a time where those of you who are blessed enough to have an actual set of a contest church to go to, well, guess what? Those are either going to be destroyed or shut down. And you're going to be having mass in wherever you can hold one. And you'll be glad. You'll be grateful. You'll be blessed that you can even have one. Anyhow, that, that's not what this is about. So, in the Mass itself, the Vatican II Council purposely brought in Protestants to advise them on how to make the traditional Latin Mass more Protestant-friendly. And just as a further aside, when they had the Vatican II Council, and by the way, by the way, this is the first council in Catholic Church history that actually invited heretics and schismatics, not as observers, but as direct advisors to the prelates that were holding this council. Don't believe me, there's material out there. They were actual advisors, and they were actually telling the, um, the prelates on how to make the Catholic Church more Protestant and more East, schismatic Eastern Orthodox friendly. Anybody who's been to a a um, uh, and and I'm I'm not I'm not talking about the pseudo 
Vatican II version of the Latin Mass. I'm, I'm talking about just your regular, what is known as the Norvis Ordo Mass, the New Order. I, like I said, as a kid, I got drugged to Protestant churches. And, <laughs> um, the thing that I hated about these churches, you know, these these Protestant sects, I shouldn't call them churches, was all I wanted to do was sit and read my Bible, let them do their thing. But in certain denominations, it's sit up, sit down, sit up, sit down, sit up, sit down. And it used to annoy me. Because all I want to do is read my Bible, but every time I have to sit up and sit down, sit up and sit down, sit up and sit down, sit up and sit down. Oh, I have to put my Bible down and I have to stop reading and listen to, to me a bunch of garbage that has nothing to do with my life. You know, I don't care about this stuff. You know, everything that they're talking about is, as far as I'm concerned, has nothing to do with me. And... I remember having this feeling when I went in to my, uh, when I got confirmed in, in the Vatican II sect, I was flashing back to those Presbyterian and Lutheran churches that I had been drugged to, where it was sit up, sit down, sit up, sit down. And I was like, oh, well, they've got the truth. But I don't understand how they could have the same mass as these other guys. That was done on purpose. Just as a closing note, I admire Rachel Fulton Brown as a scholar. Her studies on the Blessed Virgin Mary in medieval times are an invaluable resource. And I would be the first to advise her books. But she is. She's given interviews where she said she converted from Presbyterianism. And as near as I can tell from listening to her talks, it was not that big of a leap. You know, her biggest concern was oh, well, this may kind of alienate me from some of my family members, but for the most part, it wasn't a big leap. And when I entered the Vatican II sect, and once I recognized it as the truth, I had no problem, problem denouncing Protestantism. I had no problem denouncing these guys as heretics. Even though, you know, I had been in their church. Because for me, the concept's very simple. These guys broke from the Catholic Church. They broke from the truth. Ipso facto, they're heretics. Now, was I saying that they're evil because they happen to be practicing a false religion? No. But I'm saying what I was saying is 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 that their their founders and their religions were false. 
and they were in false religions, therefore heretics. I had no problem denouncing this. And I noticed that Rachel Fulton Brown has an issue with that. Now, this is not a criticism of her. It's just an observation. And we're two different people, by the way. You know, she's an academic. She tends to be more genteel. She's not the type of person who's going to get in a flame war with a Protestant, especially since some of her most fondest memories, I'm sure, were in her Presbyterian church. Um, and when she has done some videos with said of a contest, she will not denounce the heirs of Vatican II. Now she will mention, well, Vatican II's, you know, they're they're a little wrong about this, they're a little wrong about that. But she won't out and out denounce them, and she will not she will not acknowledge Vatican II as a heresy. And so once again, oh by the way, when I say these things, this is my observations. I'm not judging anything about her soul, her uh, her intentions, or anything. I've never heard her denounce Vatican II. As a matter of fact, I've heard her say that she doesn't want to get into all that because she does not. She has her own feelings on the matter, and she doesn't want to get into arguments about them. Which you know, she's God's child. That is her prerogative as his child. But um, that's not, if we're serious about our religious beliefs, that's not the stance we're supposed to take. So I've taken up almost an hour. Unfortunately, half of that was me going over old hash as far as I'm concerned. So... If you uh, disagree with my my topic or the way I you know explained it, if you gave me almost an hour of your time, I'm I'm gonna thank you, um, and I'm gonna bless you. You didn't have to do it. Um, I do for what it's worth. I do care about everybody. And I pray for everybody. And I would like to see as many people get to heaven as humanly possible. Oh, I'm sorry, not humanly possible. As possible. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye.